We love making Uncovering the Birds. If you enjoy listening, we were wondering if you could help us out. The podcast was selected as a finalist for the 2024 Sports Podcast Group Awards. But to win, we got to get the fans out to vote. So, if you have a minute to vote for us, that would be great. Go to sportspodcastgroup.com, click Vote Now in the middle of the top tab, scroll down to the Best Team Podcast category, and cast your vote for the pod. That's it. Thanks so much for listening. The Saturday before the Seahawks game, I was talking to an Eagle source. We were talking about the state of the team after a two-game losing streak. The source described the Eagles in a way that set off the reporter alarm bells in my head. The quote, the most miserable 10-1 team. Imagine now. End quote. My source was referring to the psyche of the team three weeks ago, when the Eagles were 10-1, owners of the best record in the NFL, and riding high on a five-game winning streak that culminated with wins over Dallas, Kansas City, and Buffalo. Were the Eagles perfect? No, I think we all could see that. Were they winning? Yes. Which is what made the comment that they were miserable all the more revealing. Well, if the Eagles were miserable at 10-1, and Imagine how they must be feeling after three straight losses. San Francisco 42, the Eagles 19. Dallas 33, the Eagles 13. The final score, Seattle 20, the Eagles 17. I've covered some drama-filled seasons, but never has it been with a team that was winning as much as this team has won this season. Given the expectations for this Eagles team coming off last year's Super Bowl appearance, this current stretch is probably the lowest of the Nick Sirianni era. Last week, week Darius Slice suggested that the guys aren't playing fun. They're tense. They're playing tense. Do you sense that this team, despite your record now after three-game slide, that guys are tensing up and not not playing? Yeah, good question, Jeff. I mean, not, not winning is not fun. Um, it's not. And and so, you know, it's going to be hard for anyone to admit they're having fun right now on a three-game slide. And so we have to get through the storm that we're in, fix our mistakes, and that starts with me, and get better from this. That was Nick Sirianni responding to a question of mine after the Eagles' latest setback, a last-second 20-17 loss to the Seahawks on Monday Night Football. Yes, losing isn't fun. But as my source said, and other members of the team have suggested both publicly and privately, the Eagles weren't even enjoying the wins. Against Seattle, the Eagles tried to mix things up with a new play caller on defense. But with the game on the line, they still couldn't get off the field. Then there was the offense. The Eagles scored only 17 points. Was the right coordinator demoted? We also saw more evidence that the franchise quarterback has regressed. And now there's internal concern that his stoic demeanor is maybe working against him. Once again, the head coach made suspect decisions, which led to inconsistencies, which has been a recurring theme throughout the year. And then there's the personnel. At this point, it's fair to ask if the Eagles have the players to cut it, and why the GM built the roster this way. So yeah, the Eagles have issues. And they have three games before the postseason to get them fixed. It's been a rough, you know, three weeks. But I think the biggest thing is we have to focus on us and let you know stay together. This is going to go down as one of the worst losses in, what, last 10 years? The sky is falling. 
What we've seen the last three games is a contending team exposed. The varnish is off, the clock is ticking, and right now, a repeat run to the Super Bowl couldn't feel further away. What's going on with the defense? What's up with Jalen Hurts? How much blame goes to his head coach and play caller? Do the Eagles have any cards left to play? It's time to dig in, tell you what I've been hearing, and see if it's possible for the Eagles to save the season. I'm Jeff McLean, and this is Uncovering the Birds, a production of the Philadelphia Inquirer and KW News Radio original podcasts, with new episodes dropping every three weeks. Season 2, Episode 6, Misery. Right now, I'm in reporter mode. Two weeks ago, after the Eagles' losing streak started with an ugly game against San Francisco, I tasked myself with finding out what could potentially be wrong with this team. Then they lost to the Cowboys. And I realized for this episode, I had to treat it like an article I would write. I needed to get to the sources of the Eagles' problems. So here's what we're going to do. For the first time since we launched this podcast, we're covering a story that's evolving and playing out in real time. I'm still in my hotel room in Seattle, about 12 hours after the Eagles lost to the Seahawks. My flight back to Philly is later in the day. I'm going to lay out the four big picture issues that I think are the most dire for the Eagles right now, tell you how they've been trying to address them, and whether or not there's a realistic fix. Problem number one, the defense and Sean Desai. The offense didn't do the Eagles many favors in Seattle, but how fitting was it that with 152 left in the game, and the Eagles leading by four, their new Matt Patricia-led defense was back on the field trying to close out the game. Like David Byrne of Talking Heads said, same as it ever was. Third down and ten. Lock in the gun. Lock. Backpedals. Pumps. Looks. Going deep. And it is caught! Touchdown! Smith Majigma! Matt Patricia, Sean Desai, at least for one game, it didn't seem to matter in the end result. The Eagles are 28 seconds away from either tying this game and sending it to overtime or going down for the third time in a row. There were some effective changes under Patricia, but the Eagles still couldn't get off the field when it mattered most. The big subplot heading into Monday's game was that the Eagles quietly demoted Desai for the veteran Patricia last week and gave him full authority of the defense. The Eagles gave up 92 yards in under two minutes to backup quarterback Drew Locke, who was 8-14 as a starter, heading into the game. The first question out of the gate at Nick Sirianni's post-game press conference was about Patricia and the switch. Nick, why did you um, make the decision to go from Sean Desai to Matt Patricia? Who made that decision and when was it made? Yeah, I made the decision. I did what I thought I needed to do in the in the best interest of the, the football team. I didn't feel like we were playing well enough and coaching well enough on defense, so I made an adjustment, and it was my decision, and that's what, and that's what I did. This was the first chance for Sirianni to address the move publicly. I, it was a tough decision to be able to do this, but again, like I said, I did what I felt like was best for our football team. We're always making adjustments, and, and that's what I did. Who makes the final stays on defense? Uh, Coach Patricia. Was the play calling change necessary? Based upon the Eagles' ranking on third down, which was last in the NFL, 
their ranking in the red zone, which was 30th in the NFL, and the fact that they allowed nine touchdowns and two field goals during an 11-series stretch between the 49ers and Cowboys games, there was cause. This is clearly an unusual move, to strip a coordinator of his authority when you have one of the best records in the league. It's not completely without precedent. John Harbaugh the Ravens fired his offensive coordinator in December of 2012. Two months later, the Ravens were Super Bowl champions. But the most peculiar thing about the Eagles switch is that Sean Desai is still around. He wasn't fired. I couldn't find another example of this in recent history. It was a shock when I bumped into him running from the press box down to the locker room at halftime just a week after he was on the field calling plays. What's Sean Desai's role with the team? Yeah, uh, he's he's. It's a collaborative effort on defense, and um, you know, obviously, all the final decisions are are made by Matt right now. But you know, I thought uh, as disappointed as Sean was, um, I think he handled himself like a true pro. And we know we can still Sean is still helpful to this football team because he's still you know he has a, he has a bright mind and he can help. And as I listened in on defense today, he, they were communicating back and forth very similar to the way Matt uh, and and Sean communicated with the roles reversed. Uh, I understand that there's scrutiny are going to be scrutiny on it, um, but I feel like anything I can do uh, in my jo- in my position to help the team succeed, uh, I'm I'm going to try to do. Inside the visitors' locker room in Seattle players shed some light on what's been happening behind the scenes. Here's veteran defensive lineman Fletcher Cox. It was a good week of practice. Uh, and the side's been really, really good for us. You know, through training camp when he first got here, he was a good play caller. But obviously, you know, as a, I guess as a staff, as, as a, whatever it is, we made a, there was a change, a little shaking up, and, you know, we still got side back. You know, that, that's, that's, that's the biggest thing. You know, always having his back, supporting him. And obviously, you know, Matt, he's, he's calling the plays now. So uh, it's, it's different. Uh, it's just we got to adjust and, uh, and, and move on. Cornerback Bradley Roby said there were some strategic changes under Patricia. We probably played up a little more, played a little tighter coverage. We emphasized just just challenging receivers and making them earn it. So uh, I think we, we blitzed some. Um, I'm not sure how much we blitzed more or anything like that, but the biggest difference is just challenging and just being aggressive. James Bradbury gave up four of five completions, including the game-winning touchdown on the Seahawks' final drive. Honestly, it wasn't too difficult. You probably wouldn't be asking me that question had we won and I made a play, but I didn't play well, so it wasn't really difficult for the team. Brandon Graham said the decision to demote Desai was fueled by outside criticism and heightened media attention. It had to be a change because everybody was calling for, for, for his head. You know what I'm saying? You think the media had something to do with him getting man, it's always like that, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's always like that. So, you know, it had to be something to shake it up. You know, you got to take the fall, no matter if it's your fault or, you know, our, our fault. I mean, we all in this together, so the head always get chopped off. You know, luckily, you know, for him, they just switch roles. That's it. They're going about it in a good way uh, because at the end of the day, we just want to win and decide want to win. And, you know, he had a great attitude this week about it. And, you know, I didn't see it as a bad thing. I just look at it like that's part of the business. So how did Matt Patricia end up in this position? It goes back to before he was hired. Here's the chain of events. Jonathan Gaddon left for Arizona after the Super Bowl, and the Eagles were left scrambling to find his replacement. They interviewed defensive backs coach Denard Wilson, among others. Some of the players in the defensive backs room wanted Wilson to get the job, but after weeks of interviews, Nick Sirianni settled on Sean Desai. 
knowing that Desai only had one year of experience as coordinator on his resume, the Eagles wanted to have a contingency plan in place. And that's when the courting of Matt Patricia began. GM Harry Roseman helped get Patricia on Sirianni's radar. The Eagles hired the former New England Patriots defensive coordinator and former Lions head coach as senior defensive advisor in April, only two months after they named Sean Desai defensive coordinator. Before training camp, Sirianni addressed the hiring of Patricia. He's been an excellent resource for me, and you, you bring guys like that in to, to do that, just that, be resources for you, be resources for the defense coordinator. He's got a ton of experience. It's nice to have a, a former head coach on the staff that I'm able to bounce some things off of. Comes from a, a great coaching tree. Always been fascinated by that coaching tree and how I can pick that the brain of that and so I can continue to get better as a coach and ultimately us get better as a team. The Eagles are within their rights to be proactive and hire whoever they want. But just think for a minute how awkward this dynamic must have been for a young coordinator like Desai. Patricia won Super Bowls as a coordinator with the Patriots. That seemingly cast a shadow over Desai. Just listen to how he responded to a question of mine days before the season opener at New England. How much have you leaned on uh, Matt Patricia this week? Yeah, uh, you know, similarly, like I think you guys have asked me this uh, almost every other press conference, uh, but it's been the same. uh, No, that's right. No, I I get it. You know, this week in particular, because he's got a lot of experience in New England, but Heavily, just like we've relied on a lot of these coaches. Here's a quote I got from a team source after Desai was demoted. Sean's smart, and the guys like him, but he doesn't carry himself with confidence, and some players start to feel that. This backs up the reporting I had been doing prior to his benching. There's a human side to Sean's demotion after just 13 games. He's got a great story that we actually did an episode on for the finale of our first season of Uncovering the Birds. Go back and check it out. He was wide-eyed and bushy-tailed heading into the season, but as the defense started to unravel during the losing streak, I kept going back to something Sean said when he was interviewed for our pod about how he wanted to be judged. Defensive coordinators here seem to be under the glare. How much have you been prepared for that? And You can't really get caught up in that, right? Like we went through a process and Mr. Lurie and Howie and Nick went through a process to hire the best person they thought and they vetted the best person they thought and I'm fortunate and grateful that they selected me because, yeah, selfishly, I got enough confidence in myself to think I'm the best person. And when there's some failure, yeah, that falls on me, as it should. That's, that's part of this profession, really part of any profession. It's just ours is in a, in a, in a more of a, a public eye. But it's no different than, you know, an uh, investment banker screwing up an investment. He's got to report to somebody. We all just don't talk about it or know about it unless it's your money. Then you might talk about it or know about it. <laughs> One of the more under-the-radar reasons for the Eagles' defensive struggles this season, I've been told by various team sources, was the departure of Denard Wilson. He left for the Ravens when he didn't get the defensive coordinator position. But his vacancy created a void on the defensive side of the ball, particularly the loss of his authoritative voice. Wilson made sure the defensive backs checked their egos at the door, and he was one of the better X's and O's coaches on staff. Will the Eagles be better under Matt Patricia? There were some positive signs from the Seahawks game, and the next three games, on paper, should allow him to gain some footing. But there's only so much Matt Patricia can do about the roster. Maybe he could bench someone like James Bradbury, but he's got the players that he's got. But what the Seahawks game made even more obvious is that the defense is not the only reason the Eagles haven't looked like a Super Bowl team. 
I'll explain why Nick Sirianni, Jalen Hurts, and Howie Roseman warrant more scrutiny next. You want hometown coverage that's just as obsessed with Philly sports as you are? Then access your obsession 24-7 only at Inquire.com slash sports. Get in the huddle with over 40 expert reporters and editors, all covering your birds and other Philly teams. Catch all the insights, analysis, and much more only at Inquire.com slash sports. Hey, this is Brian Seltzer. I love producing Uncovering the Birds and working with Jeff, just like I love working on the other podcasts we produce at KYW News Radio. We've got the John Cast, which takes you on these really fun, unique, and unexpected journeys about the people, places, and things in Philadelphia that make our city so distinct. There's also In Depth, which is my go to pod for thoughtful, down the middle analysis of current events and other topics affecting our world in Philly and beyond. Gone Cold explores unsolved murders in Philadelphia. Bridging Philly brings you stories that connect communities on the issues that matter most to you. And One on One has great conversations with people in sports you should absolutely know more about. So give the full slate of KYW News Radio original podcasts a listen. Download the free Odyssey app and follow KYW News Radio for Philly's best original podcasts right at your fingertips. I'm Jeff McLean. And this is Uncovering the Birds. So we talked about the defense. Now let's get to three more issues with the Eagles, starting with a couple on offense. Heavy is the head. Heavy is the head. That was Jalen Hurts in an interview session with a small group of reporters on August 30th, obviously referring to the saying, heavy is the head that wears the crown. This was days before the start of the season. Hurts is first as the freshly anointed franchise quarterback. He was fully aware of the increased expectations around him. I've never really reported to the opinions of others, or the expectation of others, or the standards of others. So I won't start now. Over the last three weeks, that hurt soundbite sounded more like an omen than an aside. This is really the only prism you can evaluate Jalen Hurts through this season. Has he been able to fulfill the expectations that come with being a franchise quarterback? If we're telling it like it is, He's been an issue at various points this season, and increasingly so in all three losses during the Eagles' current skit. It was Hurts on a keeper down at the 20, and let's see. He lost it, and Dallas has it. Hurts fakes. He wants Quez Watkins, and it's intercepted in the end zone. Hurts in the gun again. He is going deep, and it is intercepted, I believe, or was they, were they inbound? Yes, it's intercepted game time, and it's over. On the air, Hertz has already committed more than double the turnovers he had all of last season. Hertz doesn't always give us a lot in press conferences, but he seemed to be offering some suggestions for how the Eagles need to fix their offense after Monday's loss in Seattle. We didn't execute. I don't think we were were, uh, were, uh, committed enough. It's a matter of being on the same page. Um, It takes everyone being all in um, in all aspects and you know, it starts with me. Hertz is obviously not playing well enough. Is he being held accountable by his coaches? Last week, I brought that question up with offensive coordinator Brian Johnson. Jalen, obviously, being the quarterback, has much more in his plate than anybody else. 
So when he is not playing up to maybe the, the standard that you want, how do you go about holding him accountable with also taking into account also how much he does have on his plate? Yeah, I mean, it's, there's no question that, you know, there's a reason why this is probably, quarterback is probably the most difficult position to play in all the sport. And there's a lot of different variables that get thrown at you. You know, but we got to do a great job of, of surrounding him and putting him in, in the best positions possible each and every week, each and every play, you know, giving him the tools that he needs to, to go out there and, and perform at a high level. So you think despite your relation, long relationship that you can give him real hard coaching when, he, when it's needed? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's, you know, I, I don't think that's ever been, been an issue between, between us. Clearly, Hurts has so many of the intangibles to be an elite quarterback. Passing and running abilities, a genuine work ethic, and a willingness to do everything it takes to be the best. But team sources said the Eagles want their franchise quarterback to open himself up a little more in the locker room. Players like and respect Hurts. The team doesn't have to worry about him off the field. The Eagles want him to be authentic to himself, but they also need him to not isolate himself as much when a more outward leadership style is necessary, especially when the going gets tough. Jason Kelsey and I spoke about this before the Seahawks game. How's Jalen handling everything? He seems like um, he keeps himself all right. Um, does he? He I, does. Well, someone told me that. He, yeah, that he does, but he, he listen. Jalen and I have a great relationship, and we talk constantly. He doesn't usually let the outside noise affect him that much. He's very good in that regard, which is hard, especially at the quarterback position when you're under so much scrutiny. And I think part of that's because he has been through so much as a player and been through so much of that already in his career. And he's seen the ups and downs of that. But at the same, but at the same time, he doesn't get defensive over it. Marcus Mariota is Hurts' backup and has been around the league for almost a decade. He thinks Hurts has handled the season well. For a young cat like Jalen, who has only played in the league for four years, for him not to ride those highs and those lows and those emotions is a credit to him and his maturity. He even killed, I think that's the reason why he's had so much success early on in his career. Hertz has a lot on his plate, on and off the field. His visibility has skyrocketed. He has a lot of endorsements and marketing deals. He has an expanding team of advisors. He has the additional burden that comes with being a $200 million quarterback. How's that been affecting him on the field? Only he can really answer that. I think you have to be your biggest critic. And I've always been that. And um, that, that won't change. Jalen Hurts' regression has clearly affected the offense. How much of that is on him? How much of that is on Nick Sirianni's offense? That brings us to problem number three with the Eagles right now. This team brought back nine of its offensive starters from last year's Super Bowl run. They've invested significantly on that side of the ball, from the quarterback to the offensive line and skill position players. Overall, if you look at the numbers aside from turnovers, the Eagles aren't that far off from where they were last year. But the last three games, they ranked 26th in the NFL in scoring and haven't scored more than 19 points over that span. The dip in production begs the question, have defenses started to figure the Eagles out? That brings up a fourth down. Hurts in the gun. They've got to get to the 22. Hurts is back. Here comes the rush. Hurts lets it go. It is complete, but they're short of a first down as Devontae Smith makes the catch, and he's tackled at the 28. 
and the Cowboys take over on downs. No one told me on the record that the offense was predictable. But going into the Seattle game, I spent a lot of time talking to players and sources from around the league and looking at Phil myself, and it was pretty obvious that defensive coordinators have caught on the hurts in the offense's tendencies, and the Eagles have struggled to adjust. As we talked about in the last episode of Uncovering the Birds about Brian Johnson, he gets a lot of heat. But you have to remember, this is Nick Sirianni's offense. This is an exchange I had with him before the Seattle game. Nick, there's a report that uh, uh, some players in, on the offense thinks, think the, uh, the system has become predictable. Is that true? Um, you know, we, we obviously don't think so. As coaches, we'll, we'll continue to work on, on making sure that we're meshing things together, that, you know, hey, this looks like that, so there's not a beat on anything. Um, so we'll work, we'll work like crazy on that. Um, you know, there's different things that you want to do. There's Some within the Eagles have a general sense of who the source of this report was and understand the player's frustration. A.J. Brown wanted to make it known the quote didn't come from him. A lot of people, a lot of people get me wrong. You know, and that's okay, you know, because you're not going to, not everybody's going to like you or this and that, but, you know, what I am is a leader, a hard worker, you know, I'm very passionate in what I do. You know, I, I try to push everybody around me to be great because I want to be great. Am I human? Yes, you know, and uh, what, what people may see is me being passionate on the sideline or having some frustration because, like, we work extremely hard for a few opportunities, and, and sometimes, you know, it'd be disappointing, but... I, I, I think I shouldn't even be, I shouldn't even have to like come out and just say this and that. My work actually speak for itself. It I, don't speak. Think, I don't think anybody in the locker No, no, not even the locker room. But it shouldn't even, it should even <laughs> like, honestly, like, for me, it should even have, I shouldn't even have to say that. Like, that's something I just wanted to clear up. While I was talking with AJ, I asked him about the supposed predictability of the offense. The teams are better at your playing this year. Or, or do you think the defenses are just kind of like maybe catching up a little bit with what you guys? Are for doing? sure, for sure. I think uh, for me, where well, I try to challenge, challenge guys, challenge coaches to continue to keep evolving because everybody else is, and we just trying to we trying to stick to who we truly are. But it's tough. The issues go beyond the skill positions. Even the offensive line, one of the vaunted strengths of the Eagles, hasn't looked the same. You know, when Lane Johnson's giving up sacks, things aren't right. I feel like last or maybe last two years we were up on opponents real early, and so we were in a good position to run the ball. Where it feels like this year we kind of been a slower first half team, and so when we trail, you know, we have to throw the ball. So kind of one dimensional. So I'd say that um, I feel like the only game we felt like you know we ran the ball really good was with the Vikings. It's kind of a few and far between. At the center of it all, though, is number one, Jalen Hurts. He's missing open receivers. He's forcing throws to Brown and Devontae Smith and downfield. An injured knee has been a factor. Developing chemistry with Brian Johnson has played a role as well. The scheme doesn't always help him get easy throws and have enough built-in answers versus the blitz. But the Eagles have given their quarterback more freedom at the line this season, and team sources are saying it has had an adverse effect on productivity. How do you think Jalen's going to handle on everything? I don't know how to talk to him. Yeah, uh, so... Yeah, man, he, he's quiet. He stays reserved, uh, but he just works. I mean, he, he knows what we got to fix. And I think, you know, we're not, we're not talking about has our offense reached our potential. I don't think it has. And I feel like, he, you know, he's kind of even said that. We're kind of waiting to, you know, have a game where it feels like we're clicking on all cylinders. Team sources indicate that Sirianni still has the locker room. But the next three weeks will show just how stuck in his ways he really is when it comes to his offense. 
until the Eagles get different results, we can only judge Lane Johnson and the rest of the offense on how they play. Is it fair to say, is this really just who you guys are? I get. I mean, uh, what we what we put on film is, I guess, who we are. So until we kind of change that narrative, you know, it is what it is. It would be incomplete to discuss the Eagles' shortcomings without looking at Howie Roseman's role in where the team currently finds itself. This is the fourth and final item on my list. Howie's signature move of the offseason was signing Jalen Hurts to a long-term franchise deal. The signing was considered a no-brainer. The cost of doing business when you've got one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the league on your roster. But that doesn't mean there weren't consequences. The Eagles couldn't keep everybody after Hurts got paid. Howie acknowledged this reality right before the season started. There's more than a handful of guys on this release list that have been contributors to this team over the years and that um, you know, have been on the 53 for whatever reason. Was, was this process for you more difficult than it has been in past years? It, it was, you know, especially when you go through you know, some of the success that we've had, but also some of the adversity that we've had together. And I think that that's why this is... Is a hard day. Those are hard conversations, you know, and uh, especially when you, you've done something with, with all, a lot of these people that, that it was special. Here are the big decisions that Roseman had to make, most of them on the defensive side of the ball. He allowed highly compensated defensive tackle Javon Hargrave to walk. Linebackers TJ Edwards and Kaiser White and safety Marcus Epps also followed him out the door. Roseman then had several decisions to make in the secondary. He initially offered safety C.J. Gardner-Johnson a contract and appeared ready to move on from cornerback James Bradbury. Gardner-Johnson, though, balked at the offer, and Roseman moved on to retaining Bradbury. That, in turn, briefly led to cornerback Darius Slay getting released. But the Eagles were able to bring back Slay at a reduced price. At the time, many praised Roseman for being able to keep both of his Pro Bowl corners. But some highlighted the advanced age of both, and how the Eagles again had to remake the middle of the defense at off-ball linebacker and safety. The Eagles' roster-building philosophy has made them one of the more successful franchises over the last two-plus decades. But did Roseman again go too far in devaluing the linebacker and safety spots? Roseman signed various low-cost free agents at linebacker and safety and added pieces from the last two drafts. But some of the moves didn't work out, and then there were injuries in the back seven. He acquired cornerback Bradley Roby, safety Kevin Byard, and linebacker Shaq Leonard. All of those moving pieces have affected the final product. The trickle-down effect of Hertz's contract extension and other big-money deals Roseman has given certain players has indirectly affected individual performance. Some players with expiring contracts or expanding deals might be incentivized to chase numbers at the expense of team success. Josh Wett's comments to me in Dallas suggested as much. After the loss to the Cowboys, he said, I'm not used to our group not taking care of each other when it comes to pressure. It's piling up, piling up, and I feel the season is slipping away from us, and it's getting me upset. We've got to take care of each other. The season slipping away? The Eagles at that point were still 10-3 and and in control of their own destiny to win the division. But Sweat's vent only further underscored the reality. Perhaps even more so than people on the outside, the Eagles don't believe what their record said they were. They knew they were flawed, and it was only a matter of time before they were exposed. That's closer to being miserable than having fun. For Brandon Graham, staying together now is more important than ever. At the end of the day, you know, if you, if you focus on finishing, 
this thing the right way, I mean, everybody get paid. Your team goals have to be more important than the individual, but your individual, you can, you can still hit too, if not surpass it because of the selfless attitude you got to have for your team. And so I just say just trust it. Trust yourself, trust your teammates, get us all to be on the same page. This podcast may sound all doom and gloom. Look, the Eagles are coming off three straight bad losses, but there's still time for this team to turn things around and the Eagles play three subpar teams to end the regular season. Matt Patricia, maybe he's the answer on defense. Jalen Hurts, he's only 25. Of course there are going to be bumps in the road. Nick Sirianni has been one of the more successful coaches in the NFL over the last three years, and he's not afraid to do something, right or wrong, to try and give the team a jolt. And Howie Roseman just recently built yet another Super Bowl roster. One of his greatest strengths is being able to correct his mistakes. In the bigger picture, this might be just a slight setback for this core group. But as I get ready to leave Seattle and catch my red eye, here's where I'm at. There are certainly seeds of doubt planted this season, and especially during this three-game skid that we need to continue looking at moving forward. The quarterback possibly being the most important one. This is Uncovering the Birds. A production of the Philadelphia Inquirer and KW News Radio original podcast. Our producer is KW News Radio's Brian Seltzer. Tom Rickert is KW News Radio's director of podcasting. The executive producer from the Philadelphia Inquirer is Renee Eiffel. Special thanks to Sports Radio 94 WIP. If you're enjoying Uncovering the Birds, please leave us a review or a rating. Shout out to Salvi D for the feedback on Apple Podcasts. Listen to Uncovering the Birds free on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts, or go to inquire.com slash podcasts. We'll be dropping new episodes every three weeks. I'm Jeff McLean. You can follow me on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Jeff underscore McLean, or search for my name on any social media platform. We'll talk to you soon.